Hello, Internet, and anyone listening. I'm Angelique, and this is episode 16 of Read Your Heart Out. I know I've been gone for a while, and I'm so sorry about that, but because it has been a while, I decided to come back with a bang, um, a book that I'm pretty sure every single person has at least heard of at some point, and everyone I've ever talked to about it has liked it if they've read it, so I thought that'd be a nice sorry I've been gone and hello I am back type of podcast today. And so, without further ado, we are going to talk about the 1890 novella written by Oscar Wilde, and that is, of course, The Picture of Dorian Gray. All right, so our story starts with a trio of late 19th century men all mingling um, together in a room as an artist named Basil Hallward paints a portrait of the titular Dorian Gray. While Gray's likeness is being put to canvas, his attention is directed to the third man in our group, Lord Henry Wotton. Now, Lord Wotton is a member, a cog in the London aristocratic machine. And because of this, he's got a pretty individualistic worldview, and he's sharing that worldview with Gray. So he's filling Gray's mind with a deeply materialistic and kind of hedonistic worldview. Um, In essence, Watton is saying that the only true course to pursue in life is one that emphasizes beauty and sensual fulfillment instead of anything else. And so um, Basil, our painter, our portrait maker or whatever, Dorian Gray is kind of his muse and Basil's an extremely moral person and, you know, a do the right thing kind of guy. And so he's kind of like listening as this whole conversation goes on. And this conversation is purely Lord Watton dangling a very tempting life and and path for Dorian. Um, one filled with um, selfishness and just like a universal want for things instead of doing for other people. And by the end of this painting session and their time together, Watton has convinced Gray to make a wish on the painting. And the wish is that the painting will age and not Dorian, because Dorian is kind of known for being very beautiful, you know, a very handsome young man. He's a little bit narcissistic. And so Watton showing up and saying the only thing that matters is beauty is kind of like what he wants to hear at this point in his life. And so Dorian does. He makes the wish that instead of himself aging, the painting made of him will age instead. So time passes and um, Dorian has been kind of under the tutelage of Lord Henry Watton and all his, you know, hedonistic influence, um, Gray decides to explore his sensuality and all the paths opened up by Watton's teachings and eventually meets and falls in love with a Shakespearean actress named Sybil Vane. So Sybil is just, you know, she's an actress who does random Shakespeare plays and she's very talented and kind of well known for her talent. And so wanting to show off his new boo thing, you know, Dorian invites Basil, the painter and Watton, Lord Henry Watton to watch Sybil as she performs in an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Now, Sybil is like beyond in love with Dorian. She calls him Prince Charming. They kind of, Dorian like proposes to her within like a week of meeting her and, you know, typical BS. But she's in love with him. She is all in on it. And she tells her brother about it. And her brother's like, yeah, yeah, that's all fine and good. But if Prince Charming ever hurts you, I'll fucking kill him. So Prince Charming, a.k.a. Dorian and um, Basil and Watton watch as Sybil 
is just intensely distracted by them being there. She sees Grey in the audience and she can't focus on her craft. And so she performs pretty poorly in this play. And this leads Basil and Watton to think that Grey only chose her and only loves her for her beauty and not actually because of her acting ability. And they kind of like judge him a little bit for it. And so deeply embarrassed, um, Grey rejects Sybil and he tells her that her beauty is in her acting and without her acting abilities, she pretty much means nothing to him. Yeah, Very cash, very cool Dorian, whatever. So Dorian gets home. He's kind of like, oh, that probably wasn't the nicest thing I could have said type of thing. And then he takes a peek, takes a little keek at his portrait and notices a difference. Something has changed. And in place of the expression that was originally painted by Basil, there's a cruel sneer on the face of Dorian Gray's portrait. And Dorian realizes in that moment that his dream actually came true. His wish came true. That the portrait will age and change with Dorian, not himself. So Dorian kind of gets freaked out by this a little bit. He's like, oh my God, what have I done? Because, you know, the portrait changing is kind of this like physical manifestation of a very bad, selfish decision being made. And so he kind of realizes his follies and he returns to try to find Sybil to um, reconcile and make amends. Unfortunately, he has arrived too late and is informed that because of Dorian's intense rejection, Sybil has decided to, again, do the stereotypical 18th, uh, 1800s woman thing and kill herself. So Sybil is dead. She has killed herself because of Dorian. And this action, her death, kind of like cements the idea to Dorian that, okay, the only thing that my life is good for is beauty and lust, and those are the only things that I should pursue at this point. So he doubles down instead of learning from his mistakes. He locks up his portrait, and 18 years go by without him looking at the portrait. So the portrait is locked away, and throughout all that time, Gray experiments with nearly every vice imaginable, and... His own reflection throughout this time remains unblemished, which means that his portrait throughout all of this has been steadily changing, but he hasn't been looking at it because he doesn't want to see that. I mean, who wants to look in the, the literal face of their flaws and their, you know, bad decisions? So the portrait remains hidden away until um, one night, Basil, the painter who made it in the first place, um, goes to Dorian because he's heard a lot of rumors about Dorian, about how he's very self-involved and only cares about him, you know, his own indulgences and all that kind of stuff. And Dorian doesn't like outright deny it, you know, his debauchery and his like bad selfish decisions. Um, so he takes Basil to go look at the portrait. When he unveils the portrait, it is so fucking hideous it is so disgusting and demented and awful that basil can't even identify that it's his own painting and he wouldn't think that it is his own painting if it weren't for the signature at the bottom of the portrait that he puts on every one of his paintings so he is confronted with like dorian's wish coming true and realizing oh my god like what the hell? And he's horrified. And he tells Dorian, like, you need to find salvation. You need to, like, fix these problems. Like, you should not have done this. This was a mistake. 
Um, and Dorian, instead of saying like, you're right, I made a lot of bad decisions in my life and I've only cared about myself for nearly two decades, says, no, actually this is your fault because you made the painting in the first place. So what does Dorian do? He stabs the man to death. He stabs poor Basil, who was like our only morally straight person in this whole story, stabs him to death for daring to say, hey, maybe it's not a good thing that your portrait looks this fucking disfigured and awful. So Basil, RIP, is dead. And, you know, Dorian now has a body on his hands. Whew, so he doubles even more down on a bad decision and blackmails a, um, an old friend, a scientist whose name is Alan Campbell into using his knowledge of chemistry to help dispose of Basil's body. So holy crap. We went from like a, you know, a selfish, narcissistic, self-indulgent person to a straight murderer and blackmailer. Let's go, Dorian. Who can even predict what that freaking portrait looks like? So to escape the guilt of this crime, because he does feel bad. And that's kind of the interesting part about Dorian Gray is that he, throughout all this, is like super aware of how terrible he is. But he almost feels like the universe and the world is pushing him towards this path in life. Like it is being, you know, cemented in his brain that, okay, I'm only meant for this, even if I wanted to be anything else, which obviously isn't true. He just doesn't want to do the hard work of being a better person. So he does what a lot of people do and he escapes in a substance. So he goes to an opium den and he, you know, goes and gets high to avoid any of those kinds of things. Now, in the opium den is none other than Sybil's brother who said, if Prince Charming does anything to you, I'll fucking kill him. He's there. And he, he, this whole time, like for nearly 20 years, has been seeking vengeance upon Dorian Gray for having like pushed his sister to killing herself. But he doesn't actually know his name. He only knows him as the nickname Prince Charming. So for 18 years, he's been searching desperately for this Prince Charming. And while he's in the opium den, he hears somebody refer to Dorian as Prince Charming. And he's like, oh, my God he's here. He goes and he, you know, confronts Dorian and Dorian's like, no, no, like it can't be me. How could it be me? You know, I'll look how young I am. That happened 18 years ago. I'm too young to have been the murderer, blah, 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 blah. Because remember, Dorian has not aged a single day since that painting was made and the wish was put to, you know, the universe. So Dorian still looks like kind of a, you know, little baby boy. And, you know, Sybil's brother is like, okay, I can't really argue with that logic, whatever. And so Dorian, um, Dorian kind of flees, but Sybil's brother, his name is James. I probably should have said that. James realizes, holy shit, that literally was the guy I'm looking for. It was Prince Charming is that guy. And he runs out to go find him, but he's gone. So now James, Sybil's brother, is stalking Dorian Gray because, you know, vengeance will be his. He has to avenge his poor dead sister and so he stalks Dorian and this causes Dorian to fully just fear for his life and be extremely paranoid and all that kind of thing so um while Dorian is out hunting with a party of some friends or whatever uh 
and James is, you know, following a little behind him, trailing him, that kind of thing. James accidentally gets shot and killed. He's like kind of lurking in the bushes behind the, the hunting party, not wanting to be seen, you know? And so because he's not out with them, they don't know he's there and he gets shot on accident and dies. And Dorian now has, like, another person's life on his hands. I mean, count them up to this point, it's three. So the guilt is starting to get real rough. Like he, like I said, he's very aware of the bad things that he's done and the, the fact that he is, like, a quote-unquote bad person. So James's accidental death is, like, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Dorian tells Lord Henry who, yeah, he's still there, Lord Henry Wadden, tells Lord Henry that this is it. I I have done too many bad things. You have led me down a terrible path. It is time for me to live a righteous life from here on out and all that kind of stuff. And so his first, you know, new foray into being a good person is to not um, break the heart of his current love interest. So he refuses to, like, move on or whatever and... um because of this, because of his newfound, I'm such a good person, I'm not going to break this girl's heart. I'm going to actually be with her and all this kind of stuff. He's like, well, gee, my portrait must look a little bit different now because I'm doing such good things. But when he goes and looks at the portrait, that motherfucker is uglier than it's ever been. It is so hideously disgusting. And Dorian realizes that the reason for this is because his whole reason for being a good person was not, like, to be a good person. It was it was a selfish, self-sacrificing reason to do this. And so because of that, it adds more ugliness to his portrait because he's not being a good person for the sake of like his love interest. He's being a good person because he doesn't want to be, you know, a bad person anymore. It's not like for a good reason type of thing. And so he kind of comes to this conclusion that only a complete full confession of his of his sins will absolve him of any wrongdoing and um he takes this out on again he, he frames he frames the portrait for being the whole reason for his terrible evil life and he wants to take out his rage on that and so he takes the knife that he used to kill basil the artist and stabs the picture now the servants of the house hear a loud cry from the room containing the portrait and they rush to go see what it was all about and when they enter the locked room they find an old ugly disformed terrible looking man lying on the ground with a knife in his heart while the picture standing above him is a beautiful portrait of dorian himself and that is how the book ends So right away, the irony kind of leaps out at the end of this book of, you know, he tries to take out the portrait, which he thinks is like the center of all evil. And when he does this, he kills himself because the portrait just is himself. So if he wanted to even get rid of that portrait, he should have probably thought that it would come after him too. But oh my God, this is truly one of my favorite book endings ever of like any book I've ever read. It is just so so good it's like weirdly satisfying because i mean dorian gray is not a good person as we've discussed and it is very blatantly shown throughout this whole story he's not a good guy he's only thinking about himself 
So when he gets his comeuppance in the end, and he gets it from himself, it is like so mwah, chef's kiss, beautiful, perfect. I can't even like Oscar Wilde popped off harder than anyone needed to with that one. But I absolutely love this book. And I, this is like a ton of people's favorite classics when I talk about what classic book do they like. Everybody says The Picture of Dorian Gray for a good reason. This book deserves every single ounce of praise it gets because it is a short and sweet little little story that packs so much like artistic um, integrity and also like a, a message. He's, Oscar Wilde is, is talking about the what the like the pitfalls of vanity and of only thinking about yourself and and not doing anything for anybody else ever in your life and so to watch his dorian gray i mean the beginning of this the beginning and the ending of this book are like arguably the best parts of the book because to watch lord henry watton kind of be a literal devil on the shoulder to basil's angel on the shoulder as dorian gray sits in between them is just like Ah, uh, the imagery is so freaking good. I just, I can't, I, I'm literally at a loss for words for how, like, well thought out this whole story is. But also, this was written in, or is published in 1890. Tell me you don't know a person today who couldn't benefit from that same message. We will always have vain people. We will always have self-centered, narcissistic, self-indulging people who only think for their own gain and not for the greater good. And that is what makes this book so freaking good is because it is it is a literal, timeless, cautionary tale against overindulging in our own sin and our own folly in life. And I mean, for it to still be a like universal message uh, over a century later is one of my favorite parts about books and literature. And it's honestly why I gravitate towards classics so much because I love to see how things haven't changed. Sometimes it gets kind of rough where it's like, damn, things really haven't changed, have they? We're all just doing the same fucking things all the time, making the same mistakes and not learning from it. But then on the same side, our our mistakes that we're still making are printed and pointed out centuries ago where we can learn and we can see like hey dorian gray's not a real guy and in real in real life a painting is not going to come back and kill me at the end but the message given in the picture of dorian gray is a extremely important one which is why i think that like i don't think picture of dorian gray is a high school reading book it's not like fundamental reading but you'd think it would be because, like, I think it should be. What the hell? This book is... So I can start counting off on my fingers the amount of people I wish I could give this book to and say, hey, why don't you take a little real close look at that? Why don't you take a real good look at that story and dissect it for me? Because, oh my god, Dorian Gray is alive and well in so many people in today's world and society and has been since that book came out, which is just, again, like... I Honestly, more than anything, that's what gives me the, the the chills and makes me like, ooh, I love reading because it is just this timeless story and an amazingly crafted story on top of it. Like Oscar Wilde, I believe this is his only novel. He just did um, plays, I think. Don't quote me. But this is his only novel. And for him to just come out the gates running swinging he is he is shooting for the stars and he made it baby he went he went even more than the stars that he was shooting for so this is a little bit of a short and sweet episode 
because the book itself is pretty short and sweet. And also I feel like a lot of people who listen have probably read The Picture of Dorian Gray. And if you haven't read it, more than any classic I've talked about on their own, read The Picture of Dorian Gray. Because one, you can. It is an extremely easy book to read. It is not like difficult in any way. Two, it's a short read. It's not going to take up a lot of your time. I do recommend a lot of meaty books, but this is not one of them. And three, it is like, <laughs> honestly, if you if you want to call yourself a book reader or call yourself a bookworm or a book lover and you haven't read The Picture of Dorian Gray, you need to. It is, again, fundamental reading, everybody. Huh. So that was kind of a speed run of The Picture of Dorian Gray. I mean, like I said, it's kind of short. There's not like a super big amount that I can get into. It's not as complicated as some of the other books I've talked about, but oh my god, I th- I just felt like we needed a good, like a good worldwide recommendation that anyone anywhere can read and has probably heard of and you know maybe you don't really care about my take on it compared to anybody else's but like that's the whole point of my podcast so that was the picture of dorian gray written by oscar wilde and i know i say this every single time that i'm gonna try to get better at recording but in reality i record when i can i live in a one-bedroom apartment I don't really have a lot of like private space to record my podcast and I'm not comfortable enough to record it in front of my boyfriend. That just makes me want to laugh, want to laugh. That is so awkward to me. So I'm not going to do that. Um, So keep your eyes open for more episodes. I I was going to do an episode about my favorite reads for 2021. Um, So if you are listening and that sounds interesting, let me know and I will do that because that one's a pretty that would be pretty easy for me to do. Um, so you can follow me and let me know on either of my Instagrams. The, the podcast has their own in, has its own Instagram at read 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 your heart out three reads and then I myself have my own. I post on there as well about books and about the podcast um, at Ange Suris S O U R I S. Um, come give me a follow, come give me a DM, you know, let me know what you're reading. Let me know what if you read any of the books I've recommended, or if you have recommendations for me. Or if you want to hear me talk about a specific book, if I haven't read it, I will read it. I promise you I read literally anything anybody recommends me. So (sighs) stay safe out there, everybody. If you're like me who lives in a cold weather place at this time of the year, stay warm. It is like negative three degrees outside today. Stay safe, stay warm treat people with kindness, and of course, read your heart out.